internet, and welcome back to Officially Medial, the world's most okay podcast. My name is Eric. And I'm Ben. And it's so sunny out today. It's really nice. It's it started out really cold. Lovely. That's what I heard. Yeah, you, you probably you don't have to be up or as as early as I was. I would imagine. No, I left for work at six uh, thirty a.m. this morning, and it was thirty degrees outside. That's that's what um, I had. I had therapy today, mm-hmm. um, and when I got in, my therapist was like, "Is it still freezing out there?" And I was like, "No, it's, it's delightful." Nice. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. And I left because he sounded like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was very cold. Uh, we, it warmed up by 25 degrees today, which really, well, yeah, it was 30 this morning and it ended up being 55. Whoa. Yeah. Climate change, baby. Even though that's like, doesn't feel like a lot of change. It's still 25 degrees in a day, which is wild. And as lovely as the afternoon is, it's early March. It shouldn't be this warm yet. Yeah. Yeah. We're all going to die, but let's talk about... Coronavirus. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> as long as we're on the subject of we're all going to die. Yeah. Global warming, coronavirus, yeah. militarized police. Everybody knows... Um, opioids. Yes. Mental health epidemic. Yep. Suicide rates are higher than ever. Yep. This is the hard-hitting news that we bring to you every two weeks. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you know you're always on top of everything. Yeah. And we always record these early. So, of course, by the time you're listening to this, it's still right, fresh, breaking news. Yeah. I mean, it's only, what, two, three days from yeah. now that we're posting it? Yeah. Yeah. What do you want from us? <laughs> we do our best. Yeah. Really, I just want to say, I don't imagine there's anybody that's, like, legitimately concerned about us, but let's pretend. We are in Portland. People might know that we're in Portland, where we've now had breakouts of coronavirus without confirmed cases. The state is in an official state of emergency right now, Yes, too. that got announced yeah, yesterday, yesterday, the day before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I just want to let anybody who might be worried know that we're okay. Yeah, we're fine. I have, like, the tiniest little bit of a cold, mm-hmm. but it's under control. Yeah. And I feel fine. Cool. Congrats. I, <laughs> I, I weirdly don't get sick very often. I wish I could say the same. Yeah. Although it's gotten better now that I'm not commuting three hours around trip mm-hmm. every day on the bus. Yeah. I'm much, I haven't been like sick sick in a while. Right. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I was just like real, real sick, like for like, you know, three or four days or something. It's been a yeah. long time. I have like little bits here and there where it's like, I feel like a little stomach bug or something like that that happens, but like not like like totally out of it kind of sick yeah which i i i don't know i mean i don't know i I don't i don't feel like i'm taking care of myself any more than anybody else's so i don't really know why that is i guess i just got lucky with my immune system but (laughs) um yeah we're okay we're safe we're doing just fine um portland was in uh, a state last weekend everybody going crazy it felt like really i didn't notice yeah i mean from what i heard on the news it was like everybody like Running to the grocery stores. Oh, like the pre-snowstorm kind of thing? Oh, interesting. People grabbing things that they do not need, like bottled water and toilet paper. Yeah, they're not going to shut our water off. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everybody treats it like 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 it's a snowstorm, and it's not. I think everyone is honestly preparing for like a contagion or the stand kind of situation. Yeah, or like like they don't understand what coronavirus really is. They don't. Where it's like, it's just like a super flu. Yeah. Like, if even that, and you treat it like it's, like, flesh-eating bacteria or something that's, like, going to hurt us all. They're like, oh, I can't go outside for fear of coronavirus. Yeah, or, like, so many people are going to die that our infrastructure stops working. Like, government employees won't be, you know? (laughs) Right. That's how it feels like people are reacting. Um, But I will say this, and I'm an idiot. I don't know much about science or viruses or anything, but I feel like one of these comes along every few years. True. 
I remember swine bird, flu. Bird flu. Bird flu was a few years later. Yeah. Everyone freaked out about it for a few months, so then it went away. I think the only thing that's different right now is that our country's leadership is, like, seemingly intentionally unprepared for something like this. Yeah. Well, it is. Like, yeah. there were a lot of cuts apparently made to the CDC. Mm-hmm. So, like, we are not prepared for anything like this. And our president keeps underplaying everything that's happening. He's saying it's just going to go away. There's going to be a miracle and it's going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he, like, tweeted the other day <clears throat> that he was like, people go to work with the, like, when they have a cold and when they have the flu all the time. He's like, and nobody, like, gets sick or whatever. So, if even if you have coronavirus, like, people that's fine. People get sick because know, of that I all know, the time. I know. Um, He's... He's so dumb. He's, He's so, so dumb. dumb. Yeah. Anyway, so that is uh, that's how we feel about the coronavirus. That's Corona update. Corona update. March twenty twenty. That's right. Um, other fun things about March twenty twenty. Uh, my birthday is coming up. That's right. And also my one year anniversary at the company I work at. Wow. And yeah. also St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Your favorite holiday. What? St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's my reaction to my favorite things. Yes. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're not very. You're not really emotive, though. No. Yeah, no. I can't. I'm, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard you be excited about anything. Now that I think about it. No. Yeah. I don't. I don't just don't really care about stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. That sounds right. It is right. Uh, what do you do? What are you gonna do for your birthday? I have no idea, and I'm fine with it. Hmm. It feels I, like. I really it feels like. Know. Yeah, you're like pretty chill most of the time when it comes to your birthday. Yeah, I mean, I like always want to have a party. I always just want to have like all the people I love in a room, like telling me how wonderful I am. <laughs> I mean, that's nice, but like planning a gathering and hosting a gathering stresses sure. me out. Yeah. And honestly, for my birthday, I just want a day where I can do whatever I want and I don't know what I'm going to want to do until that day. So I hear you. I don't know. I also think I have to work on my birthday. So just, I might just take the day off. I may. Yeah. I, I, may. I think it's criminal. Like, I feel like that's a day that everybody should have off is their birthday. Nobody should have to work on their birthday. I think that would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I always take my birthday off. Yeah, I might do that. I never, ever work on my birthday. I'm just like, life's too short, man. This is like a day to celebrate me being alive another year. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Mine's also on a Tuesday this year, which is kind of annoying. True. But that's why you throw a party like the weekend before. That way you can still have your birthday day to do like the things that you love. And then you can still have people like celebrate you and hang out and stuff. Also, my weekends are Sunday, Monday right now. And if my birthday's on a Tuesday, why not just tack on an extra day? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give yourself Mm. a a nice three-day weekend. That's a thought. Mm -hmm. I'll play with it. I'll think about it. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. That's probably the biggest tangent we've ever gone on before jumping into things. It is, but you we're, know what? We're typically pretty focused. I we feel like. are, but it was yeah. fun. It was nice. That's right. We could do that more often. Yeah. We don't have to just yeah. jump right into things. This is our show. Yeah. We can make it whatever we want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, let's just call it. We should. Yeah. Let's just call it. <laughs> End of episode. Yeah. Another done. one on the books. <laughs> this, this has been Ben and Eric's catch up time. See yeah. you later. Yep. Uh, we are actually, which you already know, if you have looked at the title of this episode, talking about an HBO show that I think you, I recommended, you recommended. You briefly. recommended it. Yeah. Like two weeks That's ago. Right. And I had just started watching it. I That's was like right. Two or three episodes into it. Um, but it has just wrapped up. So we're going to do a deep mm-hmm. dive into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the outsider. Um, like I said, on HBO. Yeah. Based on Stephen King's novel. Um, there was a really important TV guy who was behind the creation of it, and now I can't, I'm blanking on his name, but that's okay. Uh, this is a show that stars, like I said in, a, in our previous episode, uh, Ben Mendelsohn, Cynthia Erivo, Bill Camp, um, Patty Considine. Is that how you say his yeah. last name? So many British people in this very American 
yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, none of them are American. Those four, those four people. Is Bill Camp not American? No, is, I, is he I, British? I too? just found out that he's Australian. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that okay. crazy? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, cool. <laughs> oh, Jason Bateman. He's American. He is, but he's only in the show for two episodes. That's true. Yeah. And apparently, very briefly at the end of the last episode. Oh yeah, that's true. The, they 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 credited him in the in, in the end credits. Oh, did they for yeah. just for that? Yeah, it was like guest appearance by Jason Bateman. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, we're gonna go full spoilers on the Outsider. So please watch yeah. all that show before you uh, listen to this. And I seriously yeah. mean that. Please go watch all this show. I really liked it. Yeah, I did too. Um, I've heard that the novel has like some issues at the end. Stephen um, King novels usually do. Yes. <laughs> but he's like really good with like big concepts and like big ideas and interesting like plot stuff. But I, I haven't really read any Stephen King, but I always hear that he is not very good at um, bringing everything into a satisfying conclusion. No, it, uh, I've read four or five novels of his mm-hmm. and a bunch of his short stories. I actually think he works better in shorter form. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's, his ideas are good. His characters are often excellent yeah um but most of the time it feels like he just stops a story instead of ending it <laughs> right yeah yeah it almost feels like sketch comedy in that way where it's like yeah. we have this really good high concept that's really really funny but we have no idea how to end it yeah i think the the best ending of his that i've read is um it hmm. um i read i read his novel needful things last fall and it was it was potentially going to be my favorite and then the ending was so frustrating oh, no. it it didn't ruin the book for me but it was yeah. just like come on right <laughs> come on yeah yeah uh but i think this show and again from what i've heard what few things i've heard from people who read the book that, that they've changed the ending a little bit um that they spend a little bit more time in the cave um in the I, show yeah okay than they do in the in the okay in the novel um and that the end, just like the way that they wrap things up is more satisfying in the show. Not surprising. I was, I was actually bracing myself to be disappointed by the ending mm-hmm. because of my previous experience with Stephen King stuff. Yeah. And, uh, um, I was pleasantly surprised it, it did not, it did not fizzle out. I mean, it felt like a re- really resonant ending to me actually. Yes. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, so the brief story of this is that, uh, which like, the beginning of the show feels like a lifetime ago where I, I think of like how it started and where it ends where it's like Jason yeah. Bateman's character, uh, is accused of murdering and sodomizing a young boy mm-hmm. and cannibalizing him too. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he says he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. They have hard evidence that says that he did and hard evidence that shows that he didn't. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, his alibi is like rock solid. They yeah. have video evidence of him being in another state when yeah. this event occurred. And so the police don't know what to do with this. They're very confused about it. They take him into custody in front of the entire community of the small town that they live in. Because it seems like an easy, uh, uh, neat and tidy bow. Yes. And they want the community to know that they're on it and they found it and it's taken care of. And it seems like Ralph, who's played by Ben Mendelsohn, at mm-hmm. least at the beginning, like feels like personally hurt by this. Yeah, cuz they were close and uh yeah. and Jason Bateman's character, whose name is Terry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was his son, his his now dead son's baseball coach. Yeah. And I guess I should specify that Ralph has had a son who died of cancer, I think, I believe, yeah. before the show begins. Yes. And he I think he looks like he was like 15 or 16 or something when he yeah. died. Yeah. Yeah, he was fairly young. Yeah. 
Um, and so the family of the boy who was murdered, um, the, there's, it's like a mother, a father, an older son, and then this youngest son who is, who gets killed. Mm -hmm. The older son is very angry when he finds out that Terry is the one who potentially killed his brother Mm -hmm. and kills Terry, shoots him. And then Terry bleeds out and dies. Yeah. And then, uh, Ralph kind of can't quite sit with the decisions that he's made, the outcome. Um, Terry, even in his dying breaths says that he didn't do it. Um, which it feels like if you're dying, might you you know you might as well just be like, well, they got me or something. Like yeah. he's still adamant that he didn't do it. Yeah. Um. And so, they call in a, an, another investigator played by Cynthia Revo named Holly Gibney. Yeah, she's um, a a PI, right? She's not affiliated yes, with the police at all. Correct. Yeah. Um. She is an outsider. Yes. Uh, to this community, to the things happening. To um, society at large, yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah. They make hints that she is like got some kind of like psychic cognitive ish ability where she can like know specific things about other people's lives. Yeah. I was wondering about that because I don't know if the show's super clear, but at first when they first introduced her for the first episode or two, I was like, is like are they just saying that she's on this autism spectrum in some way? Right. Or cause but I don't know, it could be could be supernatural too. The show doesn't really or maybe does the show really make it clear that it's one thing uh, or the other? To, to me, it seemed pretty clear that okay. like that it was a, it was oh because they did all those it was like an ability that she had testing on her when she was yeah. a kid and it baffled all the scientists and right. stuff like that. Yeah, I think maybe for just like the first episode that she was in it before she really explains where she comes from. Right. I thought it was like a Asperger's or something oh, okay. like that, but um, now I'm remembering the labs yes. and the testings. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so Holly begins to investigate on her own and quickly runs into the theory of a being called El Cuco, mm-hmm. um, which is like a boogeyman. Yeah. Baba uh, Yaga in Baba Russian Yaga. culture. Yes. Like, I, and there's like a version of this creature mm-hmm. in bedtime stories in yes. every culture throughout history she has found. Yeah. yeah. It's a creature that feeds off of grief mm-hmm. and she quickly puts together a theory that this thing, uh, kills people and then systematically destroys the families connected to the people mm-hmm. killed nourishes itself from the grief. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they do call it a grief monster at, at a certain point. Um, and so a lot of the show is Ralph, who is a police officer who is very based in reality. In fact, which I think ideally you would want a police officer to be. That's not always mm-hmm. the case, but, um, him struggling to accept that there's this supernatural entity who is going around feeding off of grief and can turn itself into other people and commit these heinous acts. Uh, And, you know, I, I I don't want to get too in the weeds of the plot because to discuss like every episode of the discuss the plot would take (laughs) us forever. Like when we did Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, ultimately it leads them to Tennessee where El Cuco like tries to do the same thing again, but they thwart him in time before mm-hmm. he's able to kill a kid. And then they ultimately have a showdown with El Cuco where yeah. uh, he, it is killed. Yeah. Probably is important to say though, that, that the El Cuco, um, uh, the way that it sort of gets, has gotten oh, away right. with doing it is by it, it literally shapeshifts into 
another person. Yes. And so that's why the DNA evidence was so clearly, oh, right, right, right. clearly um, Jason Bateman's character. And they discover a trail of it happening like three other, two or three other times mm-hmm. before where the creature cuts someone, I yeah. guess, gets a gets bit of their blood, blood or, or DNA or whatever, yep. then turns over time turns them. into it, kills someone, frames someone else, and moves on to the next town. Yeah. Yeah. And El is also like capable of creating like helpers, like people who are like Thralls, more or less yeah. it, uh, possessed by it. Like mind slaves. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, another police officer um, who works with Ralph uh, who gets infected by El Cuco and starts to do its bidding Yeah. Um, against his will. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's very cognizant of what he's doing, but the pain that El Cuco causes him um, when he disobeys is mm-hmm. too much for him to bear that he's sort of forced to follow through with these actions. Yeah. And he's like kind of a tragic figure in his own too. Like, yeah. He's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like they established that even before it happens, that he's like pretty rough around the edges. But um, you see him, I think, also as a victim along with everybody else. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. even if a, a less sympathetic one. But yes, but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I'm curious what you thought of the se- now that you've we've seen it all. Mm-hmm. What you thought of the series as a whole, and then especially the ending of it. Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, really good. I I haven't read the book, but in general, um, not always, but I think a lot of times I find adaptations of Stephen King to be a little more, if not more interesting, maybe a little more complete feeling than mm-hmm. the novels themselves. Um, so I liked that. I think... Mm, I want to say that I, I wish... Because it, it, it was very much... It, it felt like it was like... 80% police procedural mm-hmm. and 20% supernatural thriller. Yeah. And I wish it had been a little more supernatural thriller sure. in tone. Uh, but what it was was still really, really well done. I think that's yeah. just more of a personal preference. It, sure. it had a very, um, not all the time, but a lot of, I think all throughout, I had a lot of David Fincher vibes to me. Yeah. Um, very like, just like a very, I don't know how to describe it, like precise camera work and, a very very clean sets and, and all of that right. um, kind of thing. Everything seemed very like every little detail on the screen was there because it was someone decided that it was going to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was really impressed with the show. Um, I thought it did such a good job of ramping up tension mm-hmm. without ever throwing things in your face. Mm. Like they they keep that mystery of El Cuco like going without it ever just feeling like too much. So I, I'm, I may be the opposite of you where I yeah. liked that most of it was police procedural and I liked those little hints of the supernatural. It felt yeah. very much like true detective in that way to me, the first season. Oh, sure. Where it was like, these are like investigators trying to figure out this mystery. But yeah. then on the edges, there's this supernatural thing that may or may not be going on as well. Yeah. Although in this case, it 100% is going on. Yes. Um, and... I liked the, I liked, one, I was genuinely shocked when Jason Bateman's character died. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, he was sort of set up to be the protagonist. Yes, you're just like, oh, how is he going to get out of this? Like, he's, like, especially, like, at the end of the first episode, they, like, show him in prison, 
and they're like all the other prisoners in the other cell and mm-hmm. they're like mocking him and talking about how they're going to get him mm-hmm. and you just think like oh man he's like going to struggle in jail so much this season as he yeah. like tries to fight against this and then he's dead in the next episode and yeah. none of that ends up being anything. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of, um, I mean, I'm sure there are other stories and movies that have done this before, mm-hmm. but uh, I always come back to Psycho, how you think Janet Lee's character is going to be the one you're with for the whole movie, yeah. and then she dies, like, I think 30 minutes in. Right. Um, or, or like, for me, anyway, like, I didn't read the Game of Thrones book, so when Ned oh, Stark yeah, great example. dies at the end of yeah. season one, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, and then it happens, like, three more times with yeah. different characters throughout <laughs> yeah. the books and series. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to happen again in the books. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I, I loved the aesthetic of the show, just, like, that southern... Like, oh, yeah. All the greens and the swampiness yep. and all of that, like, I just really, really liked, and... I think Cynthia Revo is incredible. She's like, such a good actor. An incredible actor. Yeah. And she's so good on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I, I was really impressed with it. And I, I, I worried, again, because I know Stephen King's reputation. Mm-hmm. I, I also similarly was worried about the ending. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if this is going to be satisfying. Um, but it was. And, and I was initially disappointed in the stuff in the cave. Because it felt so anticlimactic, mm. where it was just like, we go in there, uh, Clyde just shoots him, and now we're done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's it? Like, you build this guy up to, you know, you build this thing up to be some, like, huge supernatural entity, and that's just it? Yeah, I thought we were going to, like, see his true form or something, like a penny, yeah. like a Pennywise moment or, or something and, like that. And maybe, and maybe this would have been stereotypical, but to, like, maybe there's, like, a mix-up with him and Clyde, and suddenly you don't know who's who or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I thought about you know? that, like, too. I was like, uh, especially when, like, Clyde just shows up out of nowhere, you're like, oh, well, here we go. Here's like, the real. He's here. Yeah. And, and there was a part of me, too, when they pick up Clyde after the cave collapses mm-hmm. um, that they pick up Clyde and I was like, Oh, is this really Clyde? Like yeah. maybe they switched it. The maybe same, he like switched or something. I had the same reaction. And so, and then when you see him just lying there with his, the chest wound, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's him. He's dead. But it was all that conversation between him and Ralph. Before Ralph really kills him. Yeah. Yeah. That I was like, Oh no, this is good. <laughs> and I think that's another strength of the show. Um, that it, it consistently defies expectations in those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're like, I was expecting, just because I know Stephen King, Yeah, I was A, expecting something sort of disappointing right. in the ending, and B, like I said, like some sort of big reveal about like, oh, we're going to see the true form of El Cuco. He's yes. going to be like like Pennywise the spider clown or something right. like that. But the, the climax really is just, it's not really even a conversation. It's just Ralph talking to him and yeah. explaining why he's doing what he's doing. Yep. And it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. very like, for the show being as as violent and creepy as it is, I think it's also very manages to somehow be very understated mm-hmm. in a way that works really well for it. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. I think like you do expect some big supernatural, like larger than life, godlike entity mm-hmm. to suddenly be the big showdown. And it's not, it's just a man who looks like Clyde, or, yeah. you know, a, a thing that looks like Clyde. And so you don't see him turn into some big monster or anything. They just shoot Clyde <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the only time you get any of that is when he's like rapidly shape shifting in front of, uh, Ralph to sort of say like, look, look at all the harm I've already done. Like all these people's lives that I've ruined. Yeah. And there's indications throughout the series that it's like clearly not human and that it yes. shapeshifts and has this weird residue and you see it like eating deer carcasses yeah. and stuff like that. But it's even those scenes where it are like shot from behind. It's very dark. You can't mm-hmm. really see what's going on, but you hear enough to know like what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you, I mean, 
what did you think of it in terms like it seems like it's a show that's exploring grief obviously in a bunch of different ways yeah i wondered how you how effective you you thought that how effective it was in terms of that sort of idea uh, really effective. Yeah. I thought it got to the point where it was almost overwhelming sometimes, mm-hmm. um, which grief is. So I think it was appropriate. And I will say that um, one thing Stephen King does exceptionally well throughout all of the work of his that I've read is write grief. Yeah. Um, needful things, the book I mentioned before that I read last fall. Um, uh, he also really seems to like cops with dead kids because the okay. main character of that book is a cop whose wife and child died in a car accident. Oh, really? Um, and the, the grief... Um, the way that he just writes, the way that the, sort of the grief just weighs on this character. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember the cop's name um, right now, but uh, is uh, is profound. It was hard to read sometimes because it's how it feels. Yeah. And it's just like, so yeah, that that's like, in some ways, I think one of Stephen King's favorite stomping grounds. So yeah. I'm not surprised that it worked as well as it did. And I mean, did you, do you think it was effective? Yeah, well, I was just trying to, I don't know, I guess I was waiting for the monster to be some bigger allegory for grief, which it, I don't know that the monster itself is. I think the things that it does is, is you know, ways that to yeah. explore grief. Um, but I, I wasn't necessarily disappointed by that. It just wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I found the most effective is there's sort of a, a subplot throughout the season of Ralph really not dealing with the death of his son mm-hmm. um, and really not being willing to accept that his son is gone. And, yeah. and is dead and that he needs to move on. And at one point he has a dream of his son saying like, you need to let me go. And the, like I, I started weeping at the end of the show where it's him and his wife sitting yeah. in front of the graveyard or yeah. in, in front of the gravestone. And he tells her that dream mm-hmm. and, and she, he was, he, she, you know, she's like, what did he say? He's like, you know, our son spoke to us and she was, what did he say? He's like, well, I don't, I don't want to tell you. It wasn't really him. And she goes, just tell me. And he says, you know, I, he said that I need to let him go. And his wife just goes, well, fat chance of that happening. Yeah. And it was such a brief and like beautiful moment of just completely undoing all this struggle that Ralph has had all season. Yeah. And like a beautiful moment of his wife saying like, he's our son. We're never going to let it's him very go. I'm about, <laughs> I'm about to start crying <laughs> yeah. right now. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, and then and then there's just like that laugh of surprise that Ralph does after she says that. Like, yeah. you can't help but start laughing. Whereas, like, this is what I've been feeling all season, and it's been weighing on me. And here you are saying yeah. like, there's no there's no need for you to feel that way. Like, he's important. It's to another us. it's another way the show defies expectations because yeah. how many movies, TV shows, narratives about grief, uh, end with being like, oh, in order for me to move on, I have to let this loss go yes and move past it and i think in some ways that there is truth to that right. but if someone you love dies yeah you don't have to forget them yeah and i think that's sort of what he was feeling um yeah i also just want to say that like i think their his relationship with his wife throughout mm-hmm. the show is um just wonderful yeah and um i think necessary for such a heavy show yeah not that not that their relationship is super lighthearted and funny or anything like that but they have this shared tragedy in their past that happened before the show even begins Mm -hmm. and it's something that that very well could have and has in other couples destroyed their marriage right and they made it out together yeah and there's just this sense that they've been through it together and are maybe not all the way through it, but have decided to stay together and make it work however they can. And it's, it's, I don't know. It was great. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And she's like, not the stereotypical wife, like supportive wife of the complicated man who's trying to do something important either. No, she's a real person. Yeah. Yeah. And like there are times where she pushes back 
at him and like calls him out on a lot of his shit. Yeah. Um, like, especially as like it starts to become more and more accepted among this group of people who are investigating, like this thing is a supernatural entity and Ralph just can't wrap his head around it. Yeah. And she had a direct encounter with it too. Yes. Yeah. And she tells him like, you're going to get people killed if you can't get on board with this and you, you shouldn't go if you don't believe in this. Yeah. And, and I think that's really effective and very interesting. And again, like it, the show treats her like a real person. Yeah. That moment when, um, they realize that it it has uh it's starting to take the form of what's his name Clyde Claude Clyde Claude, Clyde one of those I think I think they spell it Claude but everybody says Clyde oh really so, okay so I, I, I don't know okay well that guy yeah um and he didn't take you know appropriate action to contain it and, and his wife gets like actually angry with him yeah um to the point where it's like it's not just about whether or not you can stomach the idea of superstition now like people are actually in danger and yeah. you're choosing not to see it yeah. because you don't want to feel whatever yeah um, and it was an effective moment yeah i i don't know that i have anything else to say beyond that i i just i was so impressed by the show it was a show that i wasn't even sure i was going to watch cuz like the trailers and stuff when it came out made it look really spooky yeah and it was very spooky at times um but I just ended up thinking it was terrific. Like it feels yeah. like kind of the, like the new True Detective or like something in that vein. Sure. Like I I I don't even necessarily want to compare it to that because I feel like they're two different animals, even if they're playing in the same play uh, sandbox. But yeah, um, yeah. I just thought it was like terrifically moody, wonderfully acted, beautifully written, um, surprising. Uh, yeah, I just it was a really really great season of TV. Yeah. And leaves you on an interesting cliffhanger, and and they call it a season finale. So I I'm assuming that there might be more. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too because the episode nine, they're like, "Stay tuned for the season finale." Next yeah. week, and I was like, at first I was like, "Are they not doing the whole book?" Right. But they, they did. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it might just be another season of Ralph and Holly trying mm-hmm. to figure something out. I don't know. Well, and it seems like um, Holly's. Maybe infected now or something. Or touched in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she she makes note at the very end that, you know, Ralph asks her, like, what else is out there, Holly? And she just sort of, like, smiles knowingly mm-hmm. at him and walks out the door. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think there's a lot of room to do some more interesting things there. Yeah, I think so, too. And, 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 and he says this, too, but I think, like, they are a very good team. The way that they play mm-hmm. off each other is very fun and so much fun to watch. Yes. And I, I, will, I will watch 10 more hours of them getting to do that. I, I mean, I would, like, either of those actors, their names by themselves would mm-hmm. be enough to make me watch something. Because yes. I think they're both incredible. And yeah. putting them together is even better. Yeah. yeah. They have really, really good chemistry. Yeah. Um, and not, like, in the romantic way, but just, like, in the way that they like, right. vibe as people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we both heartily recommend this show. I do. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I just, I loved it so much. I thought it was so good. Yeah. Um, one, this is neither here nor there, but I think, uh, what you said about initially not being sure if you were going to watch it at all because mm-hmm. it looks spooky. I think that might be why you're happier with it being more police procedural. Yes. And I wish it was, <laughs> I wish it was more of a supernatural thriller because yeah. I like horror and you don't. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you're very right about that. I was like very happy to be like, Oh, we're going to approach this like fact base and we're yeah. all going to be very safe and try to be like <laughs> cautious about things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone stay in the house. We're locking the doors. <laughs> That's right. Nobody take any chances here. <laughs> Yeah, that is very yeah. true. And that we're going like to them. pray. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> We're going to bed at 7.30 p.m. after a full dinner. Yes. After we play a game of Twister like a family. Like a family. <laughs> all right. Well, that's The Outsider on HBO. It sure is. Uh, it's all up uh, that you can stream if you have HBO Go. So I recommend you do that. Do it. Um, all right. Now with that done, we will move on to the next part of our show. It's music time. Music time. All right, welcome to music time. This, of course, is a part of the show where Eric and I are going to recommend something that we've been listening to. Um, Eric, do you want to go first, or should I? Um, you should go because I can't remember the name of the song. Okay. I um, I am talking about uh, an artist today that I have talked about before, um, who put out a new song, um, and that artist is Donovan Woods. Oh yeah, who I love. Um, he's well, I, th- I think Phoebe Bridgers is my favorite singer-songwriter, but he's a close second. Mm-hmm. Um, I have loved him for many, many years, and I feel like he constantly like continues to get better. The the His songwriting, um, the sounds that he uses in his songs, instrumentation, all of that, I just feel like continues to get more and more impressive um, yeah. as he grows as an artist. Uh, and this new single that he released is no exception to that. Um, it's a song called Grew Apart, and it's a song about breaking up. And it's a song about the things that we tell other people, like the mm-hmm. like the specific verbiage that we use, like that we tell people that, um, like well, one, I mean, like that we grew apart, that yeah. we just weren't made for each other, that uh, you know, I love her, but we weren't in love the way that we should be. Like we, we wanted just, different things. Yes, yeah. like we say all these things rather than just saying like I broke her heart or she broke mine. Like mm-hmm. we we aren't honest when mm-hmm. we talk about the ways in which we've been hurt. Yeah. And I, I, I just think that he touches on like these very human ideas and these very human things that we all feel and see and do in ways that nobody else does. The last song that I recommended of his, um, while all the while, which mm-hmm. is like all about that idea of like you go through your life and you do the day to day things, but you constantly have somebody on your head yeah. or like, you know, on, on your mind in your yeah. head that you were just constantly thinking of in the background as you do all these other things, you go about your regular day, but like you're constantly thinking of like maybe an ex or Mm -hmm. like a deceased relative or somebody who's very close to you. And like, you just pretend like everything's fine. And inside, like there's a person and this, this song feels that same way where it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like the way the the ways in which we try to downplay how sad (laughs) and how devastating breakups can be to like either, um, not make anybody else bummed out, like, cause it's at least for me anyway, like I have such a hard time being open and honest about certain feelings cause I don't want to mm-hmm. put any of my burdens on other people. Yeah. So it's like, you're just like, Oh no, like I'm, I'm okay. Like it just didn't work out. Like I'll be fine. She deserves somebody better. And so do I, and I'll find that and blah, blah, blah. When inside you're just like, I want to fall into a puddle. <laughs> like I just, mm-hmm. I'm devastated by this. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I really like the way that he talks about that stuff. His lyrics move me quite often and bring me to tears a lot. And, mm-hmm. um, I just love him uh, as a as an artist. So here's a little bit of that uh, grew apart by Donovan Woods. I won't tell him how the nights you lived. I won't show him these texts I saved, all the games you played. They don't know nothing about it. Whenever somebody says your name, I don't break. I just say for the best. It's all 
beautiful it's a, it's a good one yeah um eric what about you um i'm gonna recommend uh a song from the soundtrack to the rise of skywalker because i'm trying my best to salvage something get okay. out of this situation sure um it's a song called the force is with you it is uh what plays in like the big final battle when when ray is like finally channeling the jedi and mm-hmm. finding inner peace and i'm not even recommending the whole song i'm actually just <laughs> recommending a little like the first bit of it. Okay. Um, not that the rest of it's bad, but this is what maybe it, it, it's, uh, um, just like a really quiet piano version of Ray's theme or a portion of it mm. that plays really softly when she's like sort of coming into herself and realizing that she can do, I don't know, whatever the hell she needs to do <laughs> right. in a stupid movie. Um, <laughs> but it, I like listening to it and it's, absolutely beautiful and it makes me want to believe that i don't know it makes me feel like john williams cares more about ray than jj abrams does Mm. because i think the way that the movie treats her is sort of a betrayal of of who she was set up to be in the first two and um i don't know it just makes it so silly but it makes me feel that even though the movie itself was as much of a disappointment as i've said many times on the show already um it it's just like a little table scrap of something good sure. for Ray yeah. in that last movie. <laughs> and it makes me happy to listen to it. Yeah. So um, here it is. Great. Very nice. Yeah. Um, I'm still sad that that movie wasn't better. I know. I'm preemptively annoyed with myself for watching it again when it comes on Disney Plus because <laughs> I'm going to. But uh, yeah, you can't help but be who you are. It's true. I've only I only went and saw it in theaters once. Hey, that's like serious restraint for you. It is. I saw The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi six times each. <laughs> I didn't know that you saw <laughs> both of them that much. Yes, I did. Uh, wow. I did. I love them both. I don't think so I've ever much. seen a movie that many times that's in the, theaters. That's it for me. After, before that was five, which was Mad Max Fury Road. Wow, and that's I think crazy. The Dark Knight. I think the most has been three. Yeah. And that was, I don't even remember what movie that was. But wow, that's crazy. Six times. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I don't really know. I, I am who I am. <laughs> <laughs> you can only be who you are. Um, all right. Well, with music time done, now we'll move on to the third and final final part of our show, the second part. 
Yes, we will. This is where Eric and I are going to recommend something else uh, that we're enjoying in pop culture. Could be a book, TV show, um, a nice cup of tea. Hmm. Um, whatever. I guess tea's not really, I don't know, is tea pop culture? Not yet. I don't know. Could be. It's Food true. is in a lot of ways. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, that leads into my recommendation, if I can go first. I know exactly <laughs> what this is going to be. <laughs> um, my Probably my favorite TV show... Uh, about food of all time came back uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a show called Ugly Delicious on Netflix. Uh, it's only four episodes versus the first season's eight, which I'm a little perturbed about just because I love the show so much and want more of it. But the four episodes that we got are all very, very good. Um, this is a show uh, by David Chang, who is a world-renowned chef and restaurateur. And he explores different facets of food and food culture and the ways in which um, food intersects with our daily lives. And I just think he talks about food in such interesting ways and he brings on interesting people to talk about the ways that food fits into our lives. Um, And I just, I just think it's so fascinating and wonderful. And um, he's done episodes on barbecue, on fried rice, on dumplings, um, on fried chicken, on tacos, and these four episodes specifically tackle um, steak, uh, children's food, or like school lunches. Um, I'm blanking on one now. One of them Middle is Middle Eastern on, food. Yeah, like Middle Eastern, like the vertical spit. Yeah. Um, and what is the fourth one that now I'm blanking on? Oh, Indian food, of course. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to talk about. Because I feel like to talk about each episode is what I would what I would need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because each episode goes in such different directions and talks about such interesting things. Um, to see how kids are fed in different countries, um, which is all brought up, brought on uh, because David Ching is about to have a child of his own, and he's wondering how he can balance being a chef with being a father. And that episode, like has him talking to different chefs around the country and around the world about how they do it. Um, and I found very moving and very emotional. Um, the episode on steak, uh, he uses to talk about like class and privilege and the ways in which we judge people based on how they want their steak cooked. And, uh, I just think that's very interesting. And the thing that I sort of like knew in the back of my head, but have never heard like other people explore. Like I always feel very self-aware when I'm ordering a steak because I typically like my medium or medium well. Mm. And I know that most people are medium to medium rare. Yeah. And I just don't like my steak that way. Yeah. And I feel like such like uh, a simple, like a simpleton because I like oh, it a little more cooked, I know you know? What you mean, yeah. Where it's just like, oh, my, my palate's not refined or whatever because I don't like my steak cooked this way. And it's very interesting to hear him like not only confirm some of that where a lot of chefs feel that way about mm-hmm. people who order their food like that. Um, but Dave Chang has to like confront some of his own prejudices about that too. And, mm. um, you know, and then the other two episodes, the Indian food episode, of course, is like really wonderful because I love Indian food and that's a food that he's very unfamiliar with. Mm. Um, and to hear it, see him explore that and go to India for the first time and experience like the ways in which sort of westernized versions of Indian food are typically not very authentic or they're like mm. very small in terms of what, is actually present in India, that there's like sure. a lot there that we don't get as like Americans. Yeah. Um, 
I found all of that fascinating. And um, the whole show, if you have, if you've never watched it, I think all 12 episodes over those two seasons are all so good Mm -hmm. and I can't recommend them enough. Um, It feels like him sort of taking the ideas that Anthony Bourdain had um, in his travelogue shows and like putting a slight twist on them and Mm -hmm. doing sort of a similar thing, but in a very different way. Um, he sort of feels like the successor to Bourdain to me in that way in, sure. in, in regard to that kind of show and that yeah. kind of content. Um, so anyway, that's a lot of me talking about Ugly Delicious, <laughs> but I just, I love that show a lot and I, a, I, I really want everybody to watch it. It's a great show. What I like, I like how just like thorough he is about whatever food he's talking about Yeah, and how much he goes into it to the point where it feels almost academic sometimes, but yes. it's never unaccessible. And right. I think that's what I really love about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, he's, he's an American chef. I mean, he's, he's Korean American, but like he was, you know, born and raised in America. Um, and so like, but he doesn't like, he, like when he talks about steak, he doesn't just talk about American steak. Like, he goes and he explores the whole world and says like, this is how like the Japanese do steak and this is how this culture does steak and they're different and they're similar. And it's just, it's such a connecting kind of thing to be like, look how similar we all are in the ways that we eat our food or maybe like slightly different, but it's all kind of the same idea. We just approach it in different ways. Yeah. Um, which I always think the world could use more of to, to be shown like, Hey, we're all the same. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's ugly delicious. It's on Netflix. Check it out. I agree. What about you, Eric? Well, I'm going to also recommend a Netflix show. Here we go. Um, I'm so sorry about this. <laughs> <laughs> the show is called Love is Blind. It sure is. And uh, I realized that I like the title of that show because the conceit of the show is that uh, people are talking to each other without seeing each other yeah. and getting proposing to each other and getting married like a month later. Yeah. So in that sense, it's an appropriate title because it just fits the format of the show, but it yes. also is kind of making fun of the contestant, the people on the show <laughs> too, I think, because <laughs> they're also dumb. Yeah. Well, most of them are dumb. Yes. Um, and yeah, it is, it is in my opinion, like the platonic ideal of shitty reality TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it could not be worse than it is, but I can't stop watching it. And, uh, I, I mean, there's just so many insane personalities on it. Yeah. And so many, like a woman lets a dog drink out of her wine glass at one point. She's, she's my least favorite person. She's my favorite person, but it's because <laughs> she's my least favorite person. <laughs> I'm not watching the show because I like it. Right. But I'm also having a great time. Yeah. And that's most, like, there are so many moments where I just, like, have to laugh. And uh, also sometimes my mouth just like drops open yes. in shock because yes. of the things these people say to yes, each other. It's crazy. There's a moment when a cu- one of the couples, they, when once they get engaged, they get sent to Mexico on vacation yes. for, I don't know, a few days. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where there is two, this couple and they're on a boat and the guy's just like, hey, it's so nice to just be on vacation, get away from everything. And then the girl <laughs> is just like, what are you trying to get away from? What are you hiding from me? <laughs> no. And it just, they just get in a big fight over that. And it's amazing. That girl specifically is very aware that she is on camera. I feel like she mm, like yeah. feeds into that drama. 100%. Probably so. Yeah. Giannina. Yeah. She's something else. She is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have watched the whole show and feel very similarly where it's like, I know this is hot garbage, but I can't not stop watching it. It's crazy. I, 
I hope they do another season. I hope they do too. Because I'll watch it. Yeah, it is. And the the production value is like it was shot for like twenty dollars. It looks <laughs> yes. like it looks like a porno. Yes, it's <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, wait till you see what like the weddings look like. I can't wait. I really can't. <laughs> they wait. They look so cheap. Oh, and the moments where they do like the reveal after they propose, like right. sometimes the camera pulls back too far, and you can see over the like the wall, and you can <laughs> yeah. see like the blue screen behind <laughs> yeah. it. So they're they're just in a sound on a soundstage. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Truly an incredible television show. Yeah, I, I tweeted about it earlier today, and I said that it's terrible in every imaginable way, but also somehow the best show of all time. <laughs> um, and I I, I I stand by it. I, yeah, I'm obsessed with it. It's, 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 I almost said it's good, but it's not good, but it's like good. No, it could not be worse, but it is also riveting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know that makes it good or not, but it is like super addictive, endlessly watchable. It's terrific. Yeah. And it's terribleness. Yeah, it is. It is wild. Um, so watch it if you're bored. Yeah. Um, and you won't be bored anymore. I promise you that. I promise you that. Impossible to be bored by that. Yeah. Um, okay, on that note, we're, that's going to do it for us. Another one in the books. Another episode of Official Medial Come and Gone. Thank mm-hmm. you for spending time with us. It sure thank is you. fun. It sure is. Um, before we go, I want to say thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme song. Always. Uh, the Long Hike. You can find that and other songs by Louis at louisong.bandcamp.com. Um, if you have any questions or comments about the show, you can email us uh, at <coughs> officially, officiallymedial at gmail.com. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Benjamin underscore Skaggs is where I am. And I'm on Instagram at Eric Naduke and on Twitter at Basic Slimes. Uh, follow me in both of those places. Yes. You won't regret it. Or die. You won't regret it or die. At least not from doing it. <laughs> that's right. You, you might die, but it won't because you followed me. You'll live forever. Yeah. That's the, that's the official <laughs> media guarantee. The fountain of youth <laughs> following me on Twitter. That's right. <laughs> I mean, try it. You never know. That's true. I yeah. mean, who knows? Maybe that is the secret. Yeah. I follow you, and, I ha- and I'm not dead yet. If we get me up to 100,000 followers, none of them will die. <laughs> but it has to hit that number, or else they'll all die. That's right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't make the rules. What if I unfollow before that, that happens? You know <clears> what I mean? If you unfollowed? Yeah. What if, like, you, what if like you didn't hit 100K, but it was like, oh, I don't want to die, so I'm going to unfollow. unfollow before? Mm-hmm. And it does hit 100k. Yeah, you'll never die, Whoa. but you'll also never be happy. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is a complex. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. I, I'm just laying out your options. Right. Of course. The choice is obviously up to it's you. Still yours. Yeah. You're in control here. Yeah. Just you might make the wrong choice. Yeah. Good luck and Godspeed. Yep. See Bye. you next time. <laughs>